0: I'm Ian Dallimore, and this is Digital Endure.
1: The best advertising and marketing. Be curious. Moving the industry forward.
0: All right. Welcome back, guys. My next guest, she's a new friend of mine, and a lot of you hopefully know of her. She's a graduate of UC Santa Barbara. She's a West Coast girl, but ended up in the New York. I question why she would ever do that. Uh, She has two boys. She's a huge Pearl Jam fan. She's actually, I learned just a couple of minutes ago, she's a, a big cyclist and goes on a lot of cycling vacations and trips with her husband. But she once took a trip to Spain and didn't realize it, but she had to cycle 45 miles a day. And I'm sure knowing your personality that you just, you were at the front of the pack. And she just told me, which has continued to be a trend on this podcast, she is a newly sneakerhead. My new friend, Marla Kaplowitz, the CEO and president of the Four A's. Great to have you.
1: Great to be here and great to meet a fellow sneakerhead because you're going to tell me how much money I should be spending on all these wonderful items in the future.
0: Well, first let's ask, what's your most recent pair? I know you, you're new to it, you said.
1: Uh, well, no, I've been, but I'm becoming a little too obsessive. I just got some off-white Nikes oh. that I'm really excited about.
0: Wow, that's huge. And those of you who don't know, off-whites are very hard to get and very expensive. So what I would implore you to do, Marla, is use your relationships, which we'll, we'll jump right into this in a second for you to talk about the forays. But I'm sure you have some tech companies, is find one of the tech companies and just ask for a favor and just say, hey, do you mind building out some bots for me? Um, I want to do a <laughs> test. <laughs> and then that's, that's where my current frustration, I'm 0 for 5 this week on sneaker drops. So you can subtly use your members to help you gain more sneakers.
1: I actually somehow got a draw on a sneaker drop on sneakers two weeks ago. And my friend was in the same draw and didn't get it. So I felt very accomplished. Love
0: it. Small victories, right? So you're yeah. you're, you're a massively accomplished person. I you know, I know I've been in the industry for a while and we're a Lamar being a newer member over the last three years of the four A's and we've really enjoyed the partnership, but I've really enjoyed what the four A's has done over the past two years. We don't like to say this, the COVID word here on the podcast, but you guys did such a phenomenal job of pivoting and really going virtual quick. And every guest and every, every conference that you guys would typically have, you all of a sudden, I mean it was a slew of content and it was every day I felt like I was signing up for, for something new.
1: That was, uh, I think, a fascinating moment for everyone. I am someone who kind of gets motivated and gets a big adrenaline rush by like fixing things. And that was the ultimate problem that we needed to solve. But all we had to do was focus on what is our core mission. And it's about, helping our members and moving the industry forward. And our members were in a real state of crisis. Uh, Everyone was thrown into this together and we needed to find a way to focus on what we do best, which is community and bringing people together. And if we couldn't bring people together physically, then we needed to find a way to do it virtually. And we already were big zoom users internally. And we just said, okay, we need to adapt this for our membership and just had this, figure-it-out attitude, and I give the team tremendous credit for leaning into that. And because everyone is so passionate about helping our members through challenging times, and at the time we were dealing with PPP and loans and talent and connecting and supporting the health and safety of their employees, what were they going to do financially for their business? How are they going to manage clients? production there were so many what do we do Uh, media canceling media moving media what's the right tone Uh, it was kind of forcing everyone to be their best in that moment and i i do believe that our members were really vocal about what they needed and they wanted to connect and this was a moment where we could stop focusing on competition and focus on collaboration and coming together And the four A's, I think, has a unique role in bringing people together. No one can say it's about collusion. It's really about doing what's right and helping solve the industry's problems. And so uh, it was sort of this perfect storm of every single issue that needed to be addressed. And I appreciate your your recognition of that because I, I think, Every organization had to rise to the challenge, and we need to continue that because we've elevated the bar for ourselves, but we need to make sure that we're maintaining that for our members and continuing to not just iterate but evolve based on their needs as well
0: yeah and it's and again, you guys did it so well, but going back to just sharing content right so so often I see trade associations, obviously not in the ad space but others, where it becomes so competitive that there's there's no sharing. And it's kind of like, well, this is our special sauce. This is our secret. We want to keep Mm -hmm. it close. But do you feel that, you know, I know they, they said during COVID technology projects that would typically take 18 to 24 months took less than six months, three to six months. Do you feel like the behavior of the openness and sharing of challenges will just become the way?
1: I hope so. I I do believe that people recognize that you go farther, faster if you work with partners and you ask for help. And it was a moment where everyone needed to really lean on others. Uh, We lean on partners too, to help us and to push us and propel us forward. So I hope that it's a moment where people recognize that that collaboration can actually really help you. And uh, you can still be competitive with people, but There's opportunities to share what you're learning. Uh, That was the most important thing that was happening. People were saying, listen, this is what happened to me. What are you dealing with? And being very open about it. Obviously, there's going to always be confidential information that some people want to share in small groups. But for the most part, everyone really wanted to uh, support whatever the needs were of others and uh, help people through it.
0: I know we dove right into your your current role and we'll we'll go a little bit deeper, but I want to take a step back. I know I was joking uh in the intro, why would a West Coast girl move to the East Coast? No offense <laughs> to my East Coast friends, but I always enjoy visiting LA over New York. But walk us through your journey because you graduate from UC Santa Barbara and then what happens?
1: And I wanted to get into advertising and I did not want to go back home to LA. And I had been to New York once. And my parents have lived in New York off and on at different parts in their life. And I thought that's where advertising is at the time. It really was Madison Avenue. And I thought that's where I want to get my start. Maybe I'll come back to California eventually. And I fell in love with the city, city living, and really enjoyed the work I was doing. So I was working in media and media planning at full-service agencies. They don't exist anymore because, of course, names are always changing. And then found my way to media-only agencies and just spent 30 years on the agency side and have always been so passionate about the work that agencies do, the opportunities, the types of people that you find in agencies. I think they're incredibly entrepreneurial, dynamic, uh, truly figure-it-out kind of people. And it's exciting to be in that environment of creativity, regardless of whether you're talking about true creative media or PR or experiential. It's it's all kind of pushing uh, in the same kind of area. And especially now with data and technology, I think it just continues to be so exciting and interesting And helping a brand really deliver on their needs and goals. And there was no better place for me at the time than New York. And of course, my mother would always remind me that there were agencies in California. Uh, But I got to the point where I really fell in love with New York and I still live in New York City. So I love
0: it. Yeah. And there's something there's something to be said about being in media and just walking the streets. And that that's what we get excited about on the advertising industry side. Mm-hmm. Is you literally can't turn a corner without getting excited about seeing billboards outside of just Times yeah. Square, but just everywhere there seems to be the, these different screens. You know, we always talk about being a female growing up into the ad space and you specifically had top tier positions everywhere you were the CEO at MEC maybe tell us a little bit more about about that journey and just how it was just part of who you are
1: yeah I feel really fortunate I'm the oldest of four kids and I thought the only job I couldn't have in the world based on what I looked at was to be president but I had no interest in politics that? so that was fine and I was ambitious and my parents really kind of pushed for doing what we wanted. And there there just never seemed to be those types of limits. And I was very fortunate, I would say early on to work for really terrific people who were very supportive and mentored me. And then working in an organization, I would say kind of my mid to senior level where there were a lot of women in leadership. So it was it was just never something I questioned. I always had support, uh, even having children. Uh, both times, I was very fortunate to have a boss pull me aside and give me a raise before I went out to encourage me to come back, which was never a question, yeah. but that was also a really nice signal, and then I think at different points, I can absolutely say I've had moments where I'm the only woman in a room, but that's an experience for a lot of people to be the only or to be the first. And I I think that's the clear mission of this industry right now is how do we really not just talk about diversity, but embrace inclusion, make sure we're focusing on equity so that we don't have to keep having firsts or onlys and that we have true perspective across the spectrum with all types of differences that we celebrate.
0: Yeah. And you, you surround yourself with different people, and that way you can truly experience the world and mm-hmm. most importantly is find people that you want to emulate in your life and you want to become, and be curious. ask a lot of questions, learn how they got there, and learn from those people. oftentimes the greatest role models don't even realize they are role models, so you had mentioned you didn't even realize you're a role model
1: yeah, I, I think it's important to help people and support them I've always focused on people and in my role in agencies, I always think that there's three things you focus in on people, products and clients. And I've always put people first, whether that's mentoring someone, training them, coaching, whatever it is, just helping them see how they can be the best they can be and continue to to push themselves and to give them those opportunities to do new things and to know that someone's there to support them and it's all going to be okay. But, I think that we all play important roles as leaders and we don't even recognize sometimes that we're being looked at for our actions and our words and we have to also consider that. But we talk about paying it forward and it is about paying it forward. Someone helped me along the way. People gave me opportunities. That is a privilege and it is a privilege that I take seriously and we need to make sure that we are looking out for others and giving them the same advantages and exposure to understand what are these roles like? Do you want to do this? There's the positives and there's the challenges. And so are you really ready to take that on and, and move
0: forward? I love that part, people first, because at the end of the day, we're all humans. And whatever career path that we're blessed with or you know want to jump into, you're still that human. And I believe if you take care of the people, you inspire the people, who benefits is the clients, the product, obviously, you sell more, the brand has better recognition. How do you take that in such a massive organization like the 4As? Because you you do serve a lot of different people, right?
1: Yeah. Our core focus is always going to be on agencies and our agency members. And that's half holding company and half independent. And then we have partner members like Lamar and other companies that are really important in the way that they work in the industry and work closely with our agency members and how can we facilitate better learning and exposure to what those advances are and the learning that is happening there. Uh, And as far as working with brands, on the customer experience council that we have where that's a much more open. How do we bring in different people across the whole industry because customer experience is so important and also recognizing that agencies are representing brands and clients and how are they partnering together? So it's, It's this interesting opportunity for us to kind of have a core focus, but then we also work in coalitions with other trade associations and partner with them because there is this broader mission around we need to help move the industry forward. We need to tackle problems that are industry issues. Measurement is a big one and a good one because we we can't go that alone. We need to bring the big brains across all the different components of the industry to really try and help solve that as well as the collaboration that needs to happen.
0: Yeah. Measurement is something that I don't want to say it's new to the out of home space, but really the attribution side, the retargeting, the device ID passbacks, that's stuff that most of your digital agencies specifically, you have to have that in order for me to buy your medium. You have to have that in order for me to even sell through your medium. So it's something that we've embraced a good bit. While still making sure that we keep this fine line and focus on, sometimes marketing ideas don't have to be purely data-driven.
1: Yeah, I would say it's data-informed versus data-led in the way that you use it.
0: Yeah. And so what are some other recent focuses that the forays have that your members are really kind of pushing you guys to focus on?
1: sustainability is a very hot topic. Right now, if you look at the agencies, there are a number of new roles, chief sustainability officers, heads of climate, because these are opportunities not only for them to be looking internally about what they should be doing, but also how they are advising clients and working with them, not just on the marketing, but the broader business implications from the product, everything across the enterprise as it relates to sustainability. So we uh, have a sustainability summit that we're doing. We are, we have a task force that we've pulled together. We are talking to the UK ad association about their ad net zero platform, including ad green and the production calculus. We're talking about a number of different ways that we need to look to support agencies as well as the work that they're doing on behalf of the brands that they work with and also addressing opportunities like we did a series last year called Greenwashing and Advertising, led by Allison Pepper, who oversees our government relations team. How do we really educate agencies on the communications work that they're doing to ensure that they're not falling into this trap of trying to cover up something and to have real, honest communication about the situation and what they're communicating with uh, consumers?
0: So we'll dive into that one just for a second, because I know you have so many initiatives, but I think people outside of our daily lives and the ad world, or maybe not even realize the ability for the ad industry to really change that, right? The work that you do and the work that you push your members towards can make that change pretty quickly.
1: It's exciting because we all have to take individual actions as well as collectively, uh, both personally and professionally. And so the more that we can start to address this at a high level. And like I said, not just the marketing, but also the broader business enterprise and the products and how they're being developed and packaged. I mean, you see a lot of packaging changes that are happening right now and anything that we can do to influence that I think is really powerful.
0: Are there any specific campaigns that you've seen recently that are using sustainability
1: there's are so many. I mean, P&G has a number of them because they're really pushing cold water, for example, and educating. So I think that's a combination of you're, you're also trying to educate people about different behaviors, but also different products at the same time and the way that you use them. And more and more, there's new products coming out that are taking a whole different approach to attacking the problem. So it's exciting to see those changes happening. The real change has to happen with the consumer and the behavior that we all need to get on
0: with. I've always been inspired by, I believe it's the Codoba campaign, TV commercial that talks about farm to table. And it's really honestly has sparked my wife and I, my kids to now we have like raised garden beds. I have a a water rain collector and we actually now own six chickens.
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: But but it is interesting because I never thought about it until you said this, but- over time, you start to think about things subconsciously, which is how ads work. You're now creating a mini-farm like we did.
1: Yes, it's influencing that change. And that is the power of persuasion and what the best advertising and marketing can do. So it's wonderful to hear you say this and how it's all kind of piece together a, a bit consciously, but also there's maybe kind of, it's in the back of your subconscious and then it kind of gets activated by some other message that you're receiving.
0: Yeah. The other thing that we talked about is transformation and talent has been a big focus of y'all's. Recruitment. Let's touch on that. And not just from a diversity and inclusion, but more importantly, just finding people in general.
1: That definitely is the number one topic on any leader's mind right now, because as I said earlier, it starts with your people. You need to have the right talent and you need to focus first on how do you make sure you're Retaining the right people, maintaining the right kind of training and development to help them not just upskill, but reskill and think about how they can advance, giving people opportunities, not just at a vertical, but really looking, I call it like the zigzag, giving them different career-passing opportunities, but... Especially today, people want to understand what are my career path opportunities. I don't want to just come into this job. I want to know how you are going to help develop me and what you're going to do to invest in me. And that's a bit challenging, especially when you look at some of the turnover at the junior level to make that commitment if you don't believe that you're going to get the payoff. And there needs to be an understanding that you need to continue to try and build that investment. You need to train and develop people uh, and show them different paths. So think of it a little bit differently. And that's just inside, what do you need to do on top of how are you managing diversity, equity, and inclusion at the enterprise level? So not just about the people you're bringing on, but how are you doing business across the board? What are you doing as it relates to the type of research you're creating or the companies you're working with or the briefs? That you're creating, as well as the content, the media, everything comes together. And then you start thinking about, well, we do have turnover because that is the nature of mm-hmm. just about any business and it will vary. What do you do to bring on new talent? And I think the industry has recognized that they need to stop pulling from the same sources because it's just a game of musical chairs. And we need to start thinking differently about creativity and looking at other industries, bringing people in, but also bringing people in who have similar skills. So I've been talking to some leaders who are looking at account management or business leadership and saying, well, you know, those are, those are some really core skills there that you can get in a lot of different industries. I can bring them in and teach them about our business, but if they have the core skills to understand how you work with a client or how you manage customer service, those are some relatable skills that we can transfer over. So we need to be thinking very broadly about solutions in the future and being very intentional about the types of roles and people that you want to bring on. One of the hardest things for any company to do is to think ahead as it relates to succession planning. Um, I'm going through this myself where I'm saying we need to have up-to-date job descriptions because sometimes you get someone in a role and they stay for a long period of time. And then if, what if that person leaves all of a sudden, Oh no, we have to rewrite the job description because it's X number of years old. You just have to be on top of it. You always have to be thinking about what could happen. And and also you want to be thinking about growth and development for those people too. So it takes a lot of effort, but we need to all be, looking at it a little bit differently. And I'm super fascinated by what I call the future of work and what this can look like. And we won't say the C word, but the last two years has been an experiment on a grand scale. And we've all been forced to think differently and to work differently. And as you mentioned earlier, there are technology projects that people thought would take one to two years that have been done in less than six months. The human is an incredible person, like incredible in terms of what we can do when we set our mind to it. And so let's think differently. We've all been working in a construct that was developed in a time hundreds of years ago, and everything else has evolved around us, except for this idea of physically going to an office and sitting together and sitting at a desk. And so to me, this is our permission, finally to break and think differently and rewrite what the future may look like and how we get work done. And that's the way leaders are, the way people are, how you engage, it's how many days a week. I mean, it's, it's all of those things and where it happens. And back to sustainability, what is the future of business travel if we really want to be responsible citizens?
0: I mean, that's a lot in it. I used to no, but it's great because the forays play such an important role on advising, I'm assuming large agencies and small agencies, but it's something that that everyone's dealt with. We don't live in a day where it's like, oh, well, we need everybody back in the office. And oh, by the way, we're gonna do that by having, you know, cake and ice cream at three o'clock every day. And look, I used to be anti this a hundred percent. Like I really need you in the office. And I'm a I'm a younger, you know, VP and now mm-hmm. I'm starting to see it. It's like, okay. And, and I I use flexibility w- with my team. And look, you know, if someone's not doing their work, but I, I think that that's, you know, the change management side of our world now, it's different.
1: It is. And I think you hit on the key word, which is flexibility. And that is what people really desire right now. And I've always tried to use this framework of you've got a very objective assessment of someone's performance based on, are they delivering the work or do they have the right skills? And then you've got this subjective idea of what is fulfillment and fulfillment means something different to every single person. You have to get to know your employees, your team, and flexibility for a lot of people is really important. And they'll give up on some other things in order to have certain types of flexibility. And the more you know and understand what motivates your employees, and I don't mean collectively, I mean individually, the more you will help retain them, drive better job satisfaction, better work, yeah. and a better experience. And I, I knew this very early on as a leader. And when I was at NBC, we did a a course on inspiring happiness because I realized that we were putting people in really stressful situations in terms of client service and that it was impacting their personal life and their personal life was impacting their professional life. And we needed to get people to understand how to deal with that stress and those emotions. um, Because, I know this sounds kind of silly, but the happier you are, the better you're going to be in that moment and that experience and a little bit more focused, too. And so really demonstrating the ability to care about people goes a long way, but it needs to be authentic and genuine. And you can see it in the actions, not just in the words.
0: Yeah and I don't think it's in my experience and maybe I just have a phenomenal team and I I think I do but it's also just little tiny tweaks like you know I told my team very early on like if you don't feel comfortable being in the office then we can work from home and then we went to this like flex schedule and Marla, it was interesting because my team came to me and they were like, after, I think it was like a week and they are like, Hey, we want to meet. And I was like, Oh God, they're going to want to work from home. And I'm going to have to change the way. I manage." <laughs> and they were like, we want to be in the office every day. Is that cool? And I'm like, absolutely. So now we do have like flex moments and it goes back to your point. Like people first, I know my team well enough and manage them well enough. And I hope I'm saying this as our producers kind of peering over my head here, but I know them well enough and I listen to their needs and their concerns. And sometimes when I mean that minor tweak, it's just simply like, Hey, do you mind if I go uh, work on this project from home or Hey, I'm going to go run, take care of the dogs because I'm going to a kickball game right after work. And it's like, absolutely. But having that old mm-hmm. school mentality of being like, Nope, you have to be here nine to five and you only get two weeks of vacation. I lived in the day and you probably managed a lot of these people where a lot of my friends in the agency world, they were like, my agency gave me a month off and they paid for me. We're not doing this, Claire. They paid for me to go (laughs) go on vacation uh, out of the country. And to your point, happier employees. And they knew making that investment then led to better work. And the benefit was the client, the product and the brand. And then that agency retained that business over and over and over again, or that publisher continue to sell and have that relationship because it was truly a meaningful caring moment between teams and brands.
1: Yeah. I think there's this larger discussion going on and people keep using the word burnout to describe what they're feeling. The organizational psychologist, Adam Grant, uses the word languishing. I think we've all gone through A very unique experience in the last two years and that we've all experienced something collectively and this way of working was supposed to be short-term and became our new reality on top of just the daily life that is going on around us that really got put on hold in so many ways we postponed vacations people postponed weddings life experiences that they had hoped to have and I think it's all just kind of built up and we almost need this collective relief and sigh from that um, because don't see vacation or time off releasing that for people. It's like, no, it's still there. And so I think there's something larger that we're all addressing that still needs to, to happen.
0: Yeah. And, what advice at a high level do you give to people managing people today on how to keep them happy?
1: You have to listen. You have to listen to them and you really need to not just listen. You have to hear what they're saying and you have to act on what you're hearing and take that feedback and really demonstrate that you care and you want to support them. And that, again, it's not just, collectively but what are the individuals saying what are the patterns that you're seeing how do you ensure that what you may not be seeing is brought to you so you have to stay really on top of it so as a manager do you as an organization have full surveys you have an ability to get anonymous feedback but are you also sitting down with your team members on a regular basis and saying, how are you and then really digging deep on no, how are you doing personally? How are you feeling on a scale of one? How do you, are you really in touch with your people in terms of what they need and what they want and where their challenges are and where you can help them? I do think we we talk a lot about empathy, but empathy goes a long way. Making sure that you can relate to someone and demonstrate that you may not fully understand what they're going through, but you can help support them through that. Is really incredible, and that authenticity really does come through. And so, I just do what you say you're going to do, commit to it, and be supportive. And also, acknowledge when you've made a mistake or said something that didn't hit the right way, and, and just own up to it. I think the words "I'm sorry" are very valuable, and I seeing people come into companies where they've had bad managers or experiences, and they're afraid to acknowledge a mistake. Guess what mistakes are normal. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. But taking responsibility and accountability, I think is so important, but you have to do that as a manager if you expect that. And I, I'll go back to where we started and being a role model you have to role model the way you want your team to behave by the way you behave as well.
0: I love the listening. That's key. I could definitely do do more of that at home, but at work, I I strive to do that is to listen, learn, and you know, I as I'd mentioned before, I'm a, a very curious person. So I think it, you're spot on. Empathy, I love, yeah, empathy and being authentic is key because what you don't realize is someone's always watching you, and they're not necessarily looking for you to make a mistake as a leader. They're really wanting to learn from you, so you're evolving people throughout your career. And look, it starts starts all the way down to the intern. There's someone else paying attention to the intern. There's someone else paying, mm-hmm. to, paying attention to the CEO. And it makes the company that you're at. You know, We're blessed at Lamar to have a, an amazing CEO that the way that he talks and his he's always strived towards the golden rule. And that's the way that we treat everyone. And we surround ourselves that way. This has been a ton of fun. I enjoy our new friendship. I can't wait to actually see you in person and maybe you and I will rock a, rock a pair of uh, sneakers together. Yeah, you, we'll see. Yeah, keep up the phenomenal work. I know that you inspire your team. We work with your team weekly and keep doing what you're doing within the industry.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that.
0: Thanks, Paul. Digital and Dirt is brought to you by Lamar Advertising. To learn more, check out the links in the description or go to lamar.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, Apple, or other platforms where podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.